In the name of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I still remember all the fun I used to have as a kid playing neighborhood football and softball with my brothers. And we could entertain ourselves for hours with our little plastic army men or a rousing game of Monopoly on a rainy day. But I believe that my two older brothers found their greatest pleasure in teasing me when we were kids. And it didn't really matter what they were giving me a hard time about. For them, the ultimate entertainment was to make me so angry that I would either break down in tears, which led to even more teasing, of course, or that I would try to take on both of them in a wrestling free-for-all. And, of course, the more flustered I became, the more they laughed. And the more they laughed, the angrier I became. And now that we're adults, we do share a very high level of respect for one another. And so I guess their treatment of me falls into that old adage that children can be cruel because they do not fully realize that people are more than objects. And it seems, though, that objectifying others and treating them with ridicule or disdain is not something that afflicts only children. Just look at the political process these days. The election process seems to have deteriorated into a circus of seeing who can discredit their opponents the most efficiently. Humans have always been uh, fearful of those who are different. Think of how many wars have been fought over race or religion. Even comedy today shows no restraint in making fun of people with life-threatening diseases or mental illnesses. And I have to believe that this sad state of affairs stems from the fact that too often, all too often, some people see others simply as a matter of water, salt, flesh, and bones. In other words, as mere objects. In his second letter to the Corinthians, we just heard, Paul writes about the connection between life in human form and the day of judgment, reminding them that all people must inevitably appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, each one will receive recompense for what he or she has done in their mortal lives, whether good or evil. Paul is interested and bringing the people of Corinth into reconciliation with one another by first admitting to themselves the things that the Lord already knows about them. We ourselves are well known to God, he writes, and I hope that we are also well known to our consciences. The way to move forward in the knowledge of our own weaknesses and sinfulness is to rely on the love of Christ to urge us on. And this is where Paul may have raised some eyebrows in his writing. Paul makes the illogical claim that Jesus has died for us all, and therefore we have died. And he goes on to say that Jesus died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for the one who died and was raised for them. So, 
all that was Paul's way of saying that the love shown by Christ, even by dying, has made it possible for all people to live a life that engages with the sacred mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, Paul's writing can sometimes be a little hard to follow. But the point that he's trying to make is that since we have witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection, assuring us of his divinity, we're no longer able to regard Jesus in human form. And following Paul's progression of thought, we can no longer regard one another as merely flesh and blood. Just as Jesus was more than human form, so too are we and all people more than human form. This part of Paul's letter to the people of Corinth serves to announce a whole new covenant with God, a covenant that's been made possible through Jesus' death. The hostility between God and human beings is now brought into reconciliation through a relationship now of love, mercy, and forgiveness. Paul tells us that if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. And it was made new as we begin to extend to all people the same love, mercy, and forgiveness that God offers to us. The reason that our nature allows us to sometimes be cruel and insensitive to others is because we usually regard people in human form, to use Paul's words. And when we do that, we can all too easily ignore the fact that people are made up of their experiences, their feelings, the things that bring joy to their hearts, and the things that break those same hearts. We might forget that the person we consider to be inadequate and unworthy of our respect is a person who loves, is a person who is loved, a person who struggles, just as we all do, to find meaning and purpose in this world that at times can leave any one of us feeling lost and alone. The appropriate response to Christ dying for us and being raised for us is to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. St. Paul urges us to embrace a new way of seeing ourselves and a new way of seeing others. Because Jesus had transcended in human form, or had transcended human form, I say again, we no longer can regard anyone from simply a human point of view. And what a wonderful gift that is. We don't have to be brought down by the actions of others. We're called to look beyond the human frailties and sinfulness of others and look into their hearts, into their souls, into the places where Christ resides within them. And I believe that this becomes a more natural response when we finally allow ourselves 
to look past our own frailties and our own sinfulness and embrace the fact that Christ surely lives in each one of us. When we no longer regard ourselves from a human point of view. Holding fast to the belief that Christ does indeed live within each of us, we have no choice but to hold ourselves to a new standard, a standard that rises far, far above our humanness. I dare say that each and every one of us have been invited to share in the actual divinity of Christ. When we begin to look into the faces of every stranger and every friend and see them as vessels that contain the true and precious Son of God, I expect that we'll no longer be able to treat anyone as an object. Rather, I expect that we would find ourselves desperately trying to please him or her. I expect that we would find ourselves treating others with the utmost dignity and respect. In other words, we would treat them in the same way that we would want them to treat us. Coming to the realization that we have at times disrespected others may well bring about feelings of guilt or shame. But Paul makes it clear that there is a cause for hope. In fact, there's a cause for celebration. Jesus' death and resurrection has set us free. We don't have to remain shackled to our behaviors and our habits of the past. We've been made free to shed the temptations of our mortal bodies and embrace a new covenant of love with God that has been made possible through Jesus Christ. And through the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away, and everything, absolutely everything, has indeed become new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.